Hey guys, it's Sammy and Robbie back again to tell you about another upcoming con. And we're super excited about this one. Mm-hmm. It's another Indiana one. This one is Pop Con, Indie Pop Con to be exact. And it's going to be in Indianapolis, again at the Convention Center. Indiana Convention Center. Right in downtown Indianapolis. And Robbie will be there April 26th through the 28th. Yes. We were just at the Indiana Comic-Con, so if you missed us, Mm -hmm. you get a chance to meet us again Mm -hmm. at PopCon. Yes. Well, at least Robbie. At least me. Ashley will be there. Oh, yeah. Ashley will be there. That's an exciting thing. Ashley will be there, so you get to meet a lot of us on the network. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds of it, yes. Mm -hmm. So, if you're coming to the show, please stop by the Limitless Broadcasting booth. Mm -hmm. We're always excited to see you. All right. Oh, my God. Well, I guess we'll see you guys at the show. Bye. Bye. Nineteen Fifty Studios is producing its first ever cartoon for a streaming service. Staple City is about a woman named Karen. She is a police officer in this crazy town where everyone's trying to be the next star or influencer. All right, this is the Duplass City pilot written by Kelly Driscoll. Good morning, Dupla. Here's some surprising news. Once again, Dupla City has been named the most desirable place to live by the Dupla Times for the 10th straight year in a row. Mostly, I hope that it speaks to women and we can all find like this common ground. So please go to Kickstarter slash Dupla City. It's called Dupla City. D-O-O-P-L-A City. We're doing the starter campaign to gain interest and to hopefully find some strategic partners. He turns the light off in his office and shuts the door. End of episode. All it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. Dust. Just a little bit of pixie dust. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Pixie Dust Twins podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Sammy. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Shall we begin? It's time to get things started on the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, motivational Welcome, Pixie Dusters. We're your favorite hosts. I'm Sammy. And I'm Ashley. Welcome to the Pixie Dust Twins podcast, produced by Limitless Broadcasting. Don't forget to go to LimitlessBroadcasting.com after the show and check it out. Yes, welcome (sighs) back to our third and final episode of Tim Burton. Now, we are not doing all of Tim Burton, as you can tell. This is only the third week. If we did all of Tim Burton, we'd be here for half a year. Mm -hmm. 
and that's just as Disney stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a lot. Stuff outside of that, that mm-hmm. would take forever. So today we're talking, so last week we talked about Nightmare Before Christmas, which is a huge cult classic for Halloween and Christmas. Yep. But this week we're going to talk about Tim Burton's more kind of Halloween-esque Disney features mm-hmm. that are very just... Huh. odd yeah we'll keep it at odd um that's me being nice yeah. but the first one we're going to talk about is the very first stop motion that he came out with so if you listened last week we kind of hinted to it a couple times and it was called or it is called vincent mm-hmm. it is a seven minute and 35 second short that is stop motion and it is actually if you watch it, it's very much like this poem he put together, which kind of makes sense now of, if you listen to the nightmare before Christmas, he created a poem for nightmare before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense on like that. That is Tim's kind of thought process during his earlier years. Mm -hmm. So Vincent, I don't know when he started making it, but it came out in 82 because you know, stop motion takes a while. And Vincent is his name in the short. He's this little boy. And his name in the short is Vincent Mallory, mm-hmm. but in the short, he pretends he is this iconic actor named Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are my young people or even my own age, because really, who yeah. knows Vincent Price, Vincent Price has been around since the forties and he, he's no longer with us. He has passed on, but he is very well known for his horror horror films and and just his kind of thriller type voice because I was looking through his his film filmography or however you call it Mm -hmm. and some of the things he's known for I'm like oh my goodness I did not know that's kind of where he went I thought like I think of Vincent Price I think of I think of Edgar Allan Poe, which is a huge part right. of his, his filmography, mm-hmm. but he also was a narrator of the 49, 1949 classic Christmas Carol. He narrated that he was a character in the 10 commandments movie, like the 1956 wow. 10 commandments movie. He was a character named Baca in that one, okay. which that whole movie is just well, I should tear that apart on my other podcast at you some should. point. I really should because that movie just makes me so mad sometimes because uh. it's not. Hey, anywho, that is a totally different <laughs> subject. Sure is. He he was in some classic scary movies, The Fly, The Fly Returns, mm-hmm. House on a Haunted Hill. And then, of course, the Poe classics. Like he, there's so many Poe movie or shorts that were made off of Poe classics. So if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Edgar Allan Poe, mm-hmm. the like horror genius when it yes. comes to literature. Everyone reads his stuff during Halloween. He's very he's a very popular gothic poet poet and writer. And uh, Vincent Price was in movies of The House of Usher, Mm -hmm. The Pit and the Pendulum, The Raven, and The Mask of the Red Death. Those are Mm -hmm. just some of them. I didn't even list all of them. He has Mm -hmm. such a huge filmography. And the reason I'm telling you guys about this, because I want you to get into the aspect of like knowing who this little kid is emulating. It's crazy. He's emulating this guy. Oh, I also found out that Vincent Price was Radigan, the voice of Radigan in The Mouse oh. Detective. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. I always thought that mouse was creepy. Now I know why. It sure was. Mm-hmm. And he was also the inventor in Edgar or in Edward Scissorhands. So he's he's been around. He's been around. And he's of course he was in. He's, he's another... narrated Batman movies. He's narrated. He's yeah. narrated. He's been in Tiny Toons adventures. Wow. He's just all over the place. <laughs> he's just all over the place. But he's known for those those horror films. So you got this mm-hmm. little kid Vincent who is emulating a horror, mm-hmm. a horror actor. So I found I found this cool this person who did a. I'm guessing she did a paper on it for a film class. Mm-hmm. And, and I loved this. I read through it. It was very technical, so I didn't use much from it, mm-hmm. but I love this sentence. And it's the film is a tongue in cheek melodrama, a cartoonism, cartoonish passe of B horror movie motifs and Vincent's anguish, his exaggerated movements and chiseled facial expressions played against the mellifluous voice of Vincent Price dripping with mock tragedy. That is very true. Yeah. It is so so true of mm-hmm. this seven and this is only seven minutes long yeah and it's it's no wonder that disney was already was not happy with him when this came out <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah because it's it's extremely dark it's it's all in black and white it's stop motion actually if you haven't seen you can watch it on youtube you can't yes. really watch it on any place else <laughs> so vincent's face actually looks like the face of the guy in corpse bride mm-hmm. like same shape they have the exact same look. Yeah. Yes. Same shape. And from images of this kid smoking, because he go when he becomes Vincent Price, he starts smoking to dipping his aunt in wax to make her a wax figure. It adds this timeless horror movie voice of Vincent Price. And you have a questionable short film for kids. Because <laughs> even as I was watching it, I'm like, um, um, this is going to give me nightmares. Yeah, there were definitely those parts. I it was kind of all right, and then I think the worst part to me was the the part where he's just like he wants to dip her into wax, and I was just like, okay, all right, Tim Burton. Yep, this is a bit weird. <laughs> yep. Well, and then and then he ends it with the kid like his mom's like telling him she's like would you stop you are vincent mallory you're not vincent price right be a kid go outside Mm -hmm. and he like falls and he he recites the last couple lines of the raven and i'm like oh dear lord so dramatic as i was watching vincent and like dissecting it in my head i'm like holy crap literally this explains everything about tim burton (laughs) This was probably like, like Tim Burton as a child, honestly. <laughs> yes. But That's what I was thinking. I mean, think just even thinking about Frankenweenie, about Corpse Bride, about Nightmare Before Christmas, you are bringing in, of course, his anime, his stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. You're, and then you're bringing in the darkness of not just horror films, but you're bringing in Edgar Allan Poe. And if you think about all the storylines, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, they all do have a Poe-like sense of weird mm-hmm. going on in, in it. And I felt like when I was watching Nightmare Before Christmas over again, I'm like, why does this feel familiar? Mm-hmm. Like some parts, just not like big ones, just like moments where I'm like, this, this literary feels familiar. Mm-hmm. And then when I got this information, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like Poe-esque stuff in Nightmare Before Christmas. Makes sense. So I, it was interesting to like look at Vincent and be like, holy mm-hmm. crap. 
Yeah. This explains everything. Yeah. Once you see this as his first thing, you're just like, oh, I get it. I get where all of it came from now. Mm -hmm. Literally. So we were talking about Disney CEOs. So this one came out in 82. So when he started Mm -hmm. making Vincent, it was under the CEO of Card Walker. Mm -hmm. And you don't, I'm guessing card was about to leave. So he's like, you know what? Just, yeah, go ahead. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then you get the next person was very short. It was one year. It was Ron Miller. Mm -hmm. So he probably wasn't paying attention because during that time he was probably making Frank and Weenie. And then when Frank and Weenie was supposed to come out, it was Eisner, Mm -hmm. which you, I believe are going to talk about. Correct. Mm -hmm. I sure am. So yes. let's move on to the very first sure, sure Frankenweenie. So the original Frankenweenie. So this one is a short, but it's about 30 minutes. So it's not quite as short as Vincent, but yeah, it's a live action movie as well. It's not stop motion. And it came out in 1984. So Disney agreed to help produce it. And it cost about $1 million for him to make this movie. So really? yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the budget went. I can't really... Oh my gosh. All right. Yeah. So this short was supposed to be released with the 1984 Christmas re-release of Pinocchio. Interestingly enough, I have a lot of thoughts on this. So when they went to get the rating for Frank and Weenie, it was given a PG rating and Tim Burton was like, great. Because this is supposed to go before Pinocchio, which is G-rated. I need to to figure out how to fix this. So he tried to ask the board, you know, how can I make this into a G-rated movie? And they were just like, it's nothing in particular. It's the tone of the movie. Which, I I mean, I get some of it is a little... Yeah, okay. But I want to point out, it's supposed to go before... Pinocchio, which is literally horrifying in some. Pinocchio should be PG-13. I'm sorry. Exactly. I'm just like, Pinocchio is G. Because obviously the standards must have changed between when Pinocchio came out in the 40s and now we're in the 80s. Because there's no way with those freaking like donkey scenes and and there's just no way that you can tell me that Frankenweenie is worse as far as those aspects than Pinocchio. You can't, it's just- I don't buy it. Yeah, no. So that already was upsetting Tim Burton. Then it was coming out right around the time that Michael Eisner and Frank Wells were taking over Disney. And as I alluded to last episode, Tim Burton did not really seem to get along with them. He's not a fan and they were butting heads about the release. So in the end, Tim Burton was no longer working for Disney (laughs) after he, quote unquote, wasted their money creating a kid's film that was not for children. Yeah. Okay. More than likely, either Ron William or Ron Miller or Card Walker had to approve it. Somebody did. So he can't say that they wasted, he wasted money because it was approved by possibly one or both of the previous CEOs. They knew what he was doing. So Eisner, okay. Now Eisner, 
Eisner did a really great job with animation with Disney. Like Eisner is the, is he was 80, 42,005. And that was the height of Disney Disney. animation of Mm -hmm. of Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid. And so he, he made very good decisions for Disney in the animation realm and in the, in the park realm, because his, his reign was when we started going to Disney and it's, it's the Disney we love, but, but. He doesn't sound like a very open-minded man. Apparently. Apparently. So, like, I mean, like we were just discussing, I get it. There are some upsetting scenes, but I I do not think it's worse than Pinocchio. Because, like, when the dog gets hit by the car, it's off scene. You don't see it when he's, I know, which makes me, I was not feeling that. I was, no. Yeah. When he goes to revive the dog, you don't see the dog until it's actually revived. So he's under a sheet. He's covered up. I mean, the things that are alluded to, you don't see them. And when the dog comes back to life after he gives him the electricity, he has stitches and things. And he reminds you of like a Frankenstein. But I don't think the dog is scary by any means. He's pretty cute. I just, Mm -hmm. to me, again, I just think if you're going to have nightmares, you're going to have them about Pinocchio more so than you would be about Frank and Weenie. I think they're both. I mean, they're both creepy. Well, and I think what probably Eisner's or Disney in general, their, their philosophy on this one probably was, well, Pinocchio's animated. It's not not real. Mm -hmm. So the kids are going to know it's not real because it's animated. That may be true. This is live action. This is a real boy reanimating his dog. Kids might try to do this. Might have been their thought process. That could be. Yeah. Because kids are dumb. I mean, when Harry Potter came out, kids tried to fly. Yeah, I did see a reference somewhere where people were concerned that they would try and electrocute their pets. So, yeah, yeah. So there, there is that. I, I get it. I don't think that the rating was fair. I don't think that not releasing it with Pinocchio is fair. Mm-hmm. But I understand what they're coming from because I watched. I was watching it and I realized I'm like I was hoping the film would start after the dog had already died. Nope. And start like when he's reviving him. No, it starts before. Yep. And I, I, I am a very sensitive person when it comes to animals. Mm-hmm. So especially since I have my own dog. Mm-hmm. And one of my biggest fears is my dog getting ran over in the parking lot because I live in an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. So like when he was rolling the ball, I like, I'm like, oh no. No, 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 no. So when, when the ball, when I saw the ball start going further, I was watching it on my phone. So I hit the 10 second button like twice <laughs> skip, skip. And, and it did, it skipped over for me, but they were like on this, like janky, like Tim Burton-esque hill that had no right angles, which now I get, but anywho, yeah. And in that part, I'm like, no, I can't do this. I can't do it because I know mm-hmm. what he's about to do. I I, I, mm-hmm. I, just, I can't. So I stopped after like he got the idea for mm-hmm. reanimating. I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. I, I mean, can't even watch the Frank and Weenie, the big movie. It's not terrible. I mean, it is weird because the, the dog, you know, he has like the stitches and stuff that reminds you of Frankenstein and everything. And then the kid hides the dog upstairs, which again, his parents are like, super clueless about what's going on 
because first of all, he takes like every appliance out of the kitchen to go upstairs to get the electricity to reignite the dog and no one notices. And then he's got the dog upstairs in the attic and no one notices. Ridiculous. But it's it is nice at the end because everybody finds out that he has the dog again, like his dad's like we'll invite the neighborhood over so that they can re meet Sparky and everyone's freaked out by the dog and there's a whole thing where they end up at a miniature golf course. And when they're trying to find the dog they accidentally light this like big windmill on fire at the miniature golf course and of course Vincent and the dog are in there. And the dog rescues Vincent. And then the dog Wait, the like, kid's name is Vincent? Oh, I'm sorry. Victor. That's what it was. I'm getting them confused. Okay. I'm, like, I'm sorry. There's so many things I watch. And I'm just like, that's not the name. His name is Victor because it's like Victor Frankenstein because they are the Frankenstein family. Yeah. That's yeah, the whole yeah. point. Yeah. Skipped over that part. So Victor and the dog are inside and the dog rescues him. And then the dog like re-dies, but the neighbors feel bad. So they take their cars and they hook it up to the little bolts on the dog and reignite him again and he's alive at the end i don't i have no i have no words i'm very confused though because like he gives the dog i don't seem to give the dog food but he gives the dog water but when the dog drinks for comic effect the water kind of spurts out of him because he's got like little holes in his stitches Mm -hmm. and i'm just like so does he smell Cause he's like, probably he probably smells he's dead. Yeah. Which in the animated one, they have little flies and things by the dog. And I'm just like, well, it makes sense. Cause I would think he'd smell bad, but you can't really think too hard about the movie. I, it's I very just, bizarre. Honestly. Well, and I just, I never was a fan of Frankenstein. I, I tried mm-hmm. reading a book and I couldn't do it tried watching the Frankenstein Frankenstein movies and I couldn't do it Mm -hmm. and like they there's been so many tv shows and and movies to kind of redo this like Buffy Mm -hmm. the Vampire Slayer like one of her first episodes within the first five episodes there's a Frankenstein type one and I I hate watching that episode because it's just the the idea of using dead corpse to be reanimated it just makes me just it is that creepy I just can't. I just don't understand why people think this way. This must be a Mary horrible. Mary Shelley, what did you do to us? <laughs> this has got to be a horrible episode for you because we have two Frankenweenies and then we have the corpse bride. <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, haven't watched any of them. Yeah. Because so. I can't do it. Uh, so, okay. Speaking so, of the second Frankenweenie. Yeah. So speaking <laughs> of that, so like we said, the first Frankenweenie is what ultimately got Tim Burton fired from Disney. But Disney came around, they made up, yay, we did The Nightmare Before Christmas, and then we did one other 10,000 other movies together. So in 2012, ironically enough, they let Tim Burton do a full feature film based on Frank and Weenie, which is stop motion. So this one would be his third stop motion movie because the second one is the corpse bride but we are talking about that out of order a little bit so frankenweenie yeah i just did the math in my head so frankenweenie was also filmed at 24 frames per second 
they had a bunch of puppets again made for the same character and i guess what i read was they started with the dog and then once they had the dog finalized all the scale of everything was built around the dog so that makes sense yeah they started with him and then moved they had the multiple puppets this time so that up to 18 animators could be working at the same time so unlike the nightmare before christmas Mm. where it was like one thing at a time this time they had multiple people working so they could get through the movie a little bit quicker which makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. They had over 200 puppets and sets created for the film, including 17 victors and 12 sparkies. And most of the miniature props were handmade. And they had all of the sets built on like these tabletops. So again, it was up, which makes sense for them to adjust everything. Mm -hmm. Danny Elfman was back to make the music. I do like the actors that they had for the voices in this one. They had Winona Ryder as Elsa Van Mm -hmm. Helsing, which is a new character that was not in the first movie. She's the neighbor who is mm. kind of what you would expect Winona Ryder to be in a Tim Burton film. Just like in Beetlejuice, that same kind of gothic vibe mm-hmm. is the same sort of thing. So not surprising. Catherine O'Hara returns again as the mom and then the weird girl that's in class. That's literally mm. her name. I guess she didn't have a name. It just said weird girl. So mm. Charlene... Tahan, I might be saying that wrong, voices Victor. And I know him as Wyatt in Ozark. So if you're a fan of Ozark, he is a main character in there. Fun fact. Yeah, you. if you don't watch Ozark, you may not. Because he's been in some other stuff, but that was the only thing I knew him from. And then Martin Short played the dad, which I thought was interesting. Love Martin Short. Yeah, I was just like, that was a good choice. Apparently, as an Easter egg in the pet cemetery, you can see Zero's grave from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Of course, that's a fun callback. And this movie has no Johnny Depp. This was the first Tim Burton movie since 2003 to not have Johnny Depp in it. And this came out in 2012. So that's a big streak of Johnny Depp. I wonder if Johnny was doing something else. I have no idea why he was not cast. I didn't see anything about that. And the, I think this movie is easier to swallow as a stop motion because it's more like a cartoon, which is what you were kind of saying before, as far as the, the mm. dog and everything, but it's still yeah. sad when the dog gets run over by a car that they had this neighbor cat that at the very least you should look up some photos because the neighbor cat's face is hilarious to me. It has like the biggest <laughs> eyeballs and the smallest little nose and stuff. Yeah, I've seen, I think the cat was in the trailer or something, but I've seen seen pictures of him. The cat's face just had me cracking up because it just looks so stupid. And I I just thought that that was great. And then the the neighbor dog, in the first original Frankenweenie, there was a poodle that had very high hair and it was like the bride of Frankenstein because it was Mm -hmm. black and then had white stripes. So in this case, Elsa's dog is living next door to Sparky. And she gets shocked by him and she's a, she's the black poodle. And then she gets the white stripes when he shocks her with his nose. Aww. And then she looks like the bride of Frankenstein. And of course they're in love. And Oh, that's cute. Yeah. This movie, it's, is more drawn out because in this one, Victor has this weird friend who figures out that he reincarnated his dog and they have a science fair coming up. So the friend is like, oh, if you don't show me how you did it, I'm going to tell everybody what you did and they reincarnate this fish but then for some reason you can't see the fish in the jar 
And of mm-hmm. course, this friend is stupid and goes around telling everybody about it. And then they see the the fish. Like if you hold a light up to it, you can see it. And it's a whole thing where eventually he blurts out that Victor reincarnated his dog with the electricity. And then everybody tries it with their dead pets in the neighborhood and they create monsters. So there's like these sea monkeys that get into some miracle grow when they're doing the reincarnation and they turn bigger. No, they don't. Oh. I don't. I think that's how they got bigger. And Wait, then, so how does this end? It's well, all the big mo- there's like one giant monster, like turtle or something. He's the one who got into miracle grow. I don't remember how the sea monkeys got big, to be honest with you, because it's I was having a hard time focusing on some of this. And the cat ate a bat, so then it becomes like a vampire cat when it comes back. And they're like terrorizing the town. So Victor uses his brains, like he destroys the sea monkeys with popcorn because salt destroys them. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how they got rid of the giant turtle thing, but he uses like his scientific brain basically to fix everything. Yeah. And at the end, they still end up in the windmill in town and it catches on fire, except Elsa's in there and then Victor's in there and Sparky rescues them. And it's the same exact ending. He comes out and they resuscitate him with the cars. So they basically just add the middle part with the science fair and the friend who makes mutant animals come to life. I guess it's a better life lesson about why you shouldn't actually do this. Except yeah. that Sparky's still okay at the end, so I don't I don't know. But yeah. The things I thought were interesting is when he's doing the whole electricity scene to bring the dog back to life, the cartoon is almost like shot for shot, just like the live action. He has the hmm. same setup as the kid did in the live action one. So he oh, did a lot cool. of the same sort of shots. I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, An homage. It's, it's very weird. Yeah. And it's also in black and white too because that was a very specific thing Tim Burton wanted was it black and white just like the old movies so well is Corpse Bride in black and white or is it just like it's like blue tones yeah they're like blue tones throughout the entire movie okay yeah so not black and white but it all is very blue and white colors Hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know Frankenweenie's just strange well weird Mm -hmm. it is this is a bad week for me. Honestly, though, with the dog thing, I get you. Because then I mean, Raven just ignores me because she's rude. Whatever. But I can get Lucy to come hang out with me. So I was like, Lucy, come here. Okay. And I'm just petting him because I was like, this is so <laughs> creepy. <laughs> oh, this movie's weirding me out. Okay. It made me feel better. So I get you. I understand why you couldn't tolerate it. It just, yeah. I understand. Yeah. All right. Kirk's breath. another weird one but i like the corpse bride even though it's got the corpse bride in it okay so (laughs) in 2005 (laughs) they had this idea for the movie the corpse bride apparently it's based on a jewish folktale called the finger which the original folktale was set in russia and it was about a young bridegroom who slips his wedding ring onto the finger of a corpse. First of all, I didn't look into this a whole lot other than this little part. So I don't know why he's putting his wedding ring on a corpse. I'm not, you're going to look it up. Yeah. Cause I'm not too sure what the point is. 
of him doing this, but he slips his wedding ring onto the finger of a corpse while reciting his vows, causing the cadaver to leap up and exclaim, my husband, which he was not too thrilled with. So he took the bride to a local rabbi who annuls their marriage, and then the corpse does this like horrifying shrink and falls apart into a pile of disjointed bones. So it's, it's very, very family friendly. This is <laughs> this book tale. Uh, yeah. So, but we have Johnny Depp back. He voices. Guess what the actor's name or the character's name is? It's Victor. You ever notice <laughs> Tim Burton is very tied to some of these particular names? Well, and this and one came out before, way before the second Frankenweenie. Frankenweenie, the second yeah, Frankenweenie, but not the first one because the first one. No, was... not not the first one. Yeah, and they look alike too. If you look at the characters, they all have the same heads and everything. Maybe he should have been called Vincent. <laughs> it's interesting. I'm surprised he didn't do that, but I guess he was. Well, he maybe he didn't know he was probably going to make the second Frankenweenie, so probably not. Mm-hmm. Maybe Sorry, it's I'm trying to find Victor. this. It's apparently a Yiddish folklore. Sure. It's about there's apparently many Yiddish stories about transmigrating souls, and that's where this one comes from. The finger. That's all I'm seeing so far. I just I just couldn't bring myself to uh, look it up. Honestly, because it just sounded so weird. Well, I put in the finger a Jewish folktale and mm-hmm. everything that came up was about the corpse bride. It's not even giving me like the original stuff about this thing. So I don't know if it was actually very popular until, you know, Tim found it. And a friend of his gave it to him because they thought it was interesting. He was originally supposed to be getting married to a woman named Victoria. But he forgets his vows and ends up fleeing the wedding because he basically messes up the entire thing. And then he puts his wedding, okay, that's right. He puts his wedding ring on what he thinks is an upturned root, but it turns out it's the finger of a dead woman named Emily who rises from the grave, who's now like, oh, we're married, thank you for doing that. So Emily is played by Helena Bonham Carter. Of course. Of course, (laughs) exactly, of course. So yeah, it's cuter than it sounds though. Because the corpse bride, like, she doesn't look super, like, she looks kind of creepy because, you know, like, she's kind of bony in some places. But she's just very confused and and she's very innocent in trying to get him to understand that they are married because of the wedding ring and everything. I think the story is pretty cute, even though she's dead during the entire movie. And he does not end up with her, spoiler alert. He doesn't stay with the corpse. It's okay because well, I hope not dead. she's dead so, yeah she ends up turning into like a bunch of butterflies at the end when she finally realizes why she was yeah. stuck and hadn't moved on and everything so it's cute mm-hmm. yeah so this movie went into production at the same time as Charlie and the Chocolate Factory good timing right good timing there so Burton technically directed both but for this movie, he had a co-director slash stop motion animator named Mike Johnson, who basically would make sure day to day everything was going well. And Burton just oversaw basically the story part of it, when, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Now, another problem. Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, and Christopher Lee were in both movies. Of course. At the same time. 
So what they would do is they would shoot Charlie and the Chocolate Factory during the day, and then at night they would go record lines for the Corpse Bride. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Workaholics. Exactly. The funnier thing is that apparently Depp had said at one point in time that Burton just kind of came up to him on the set of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and was like, hey, so I have this other movie I'm working on called The Corpse Bride. You should check it out and gave him the script. And Johnny Depp loved it. And he's just like, yeah, I'm on board. And, you know, he's thinking like it'll be a couple months down the line and then we'll work on it. And then again, Tim Burton came to set one day and he's just like, so, hey, maybe tonight we'll record some of Corpse Bride. And Johnny Depp literally had not prepared anything. So evidently on their ride to the studio, which was like a 15, 20 minute drive, something like that. Johnny basically like interrogated Tim Burton about the movie and about the character so he could kind of get in the headspace to do it. Yeah. So he, well, he had like in the 15... headspace of, of Willy Wonka at exactly. the moment. So he basically took 15 minutes to kind of be like, all right, I got it. Let's record. That I mean that those poor actors like they literally have to get in the headspace for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is a weird movie itself. Yep. And then now all of a sudden, like twenty minutes to the studio, they have to get in the mind space for Corpse Bride, which is a totally different movie. Like yes. Oh, Tim, Tim, Tim. He's yeah. Yep. All right. So Danny Elfman also worked on both projects. Of And from what I was reading, if you basically, if you kind of listen to the scores and the music of both, you will hear some overlapping notes and things, which makes probably, sense because yeah. he was going A to B, A to B. So I would, he probably was in the same time, you know, mindset when he was creating the music for yeah. it. So I, I feel you on that, Danny Elfman, but bravo to you for figuring it out. He also voiced in this movie a character called Bone Jangles and sang a song. So Bone Jingles was supposed to, he wanted someone who'd have like a raspier voice, but they tried out people and no one worked as really worked out for the character. So they had Danny, Danny Elfman do the song, but that's not his natural voice. He's not a raspy singer. And I mean, if you go back and just listen to like the Nightmare Before Christmas, like you hear it, he's not that raspy yeah. voice. So I guess he would do the songs and then he would be hoarse for like a day or two afterwards from trying to emulate what the character was what they wanted Mm -hmm. i just thought that was interesting Mm, that's bad on their vocal cords Mm, yeah i felt bad for him but he did it for his art i guess Mm. and for his best buddy tim burton yeah this movie had 30 characters that were brought to life by 300 puppets they had 14 Mm. emilies and 12 victors this is the most interesting part about this movie and they did not mention it for the second frankenweenie which came out seven years later so i don't know if they did the same thing But this was the first stop motion to rely on sophisticated puppet heads that were filled with tiny gears. So the animator would just insert a key into the head and they could incrementally change the expression. So I guess like what how they kind of described it is they'd have one key like they'd stick it in the right ear of Victor and they would turn it and that would make him frown. But if they insert a key into the left ear, that would make him smile or his eyebrows Mm -hmm. move or something. And maybe they had one in the back of the head. So I thought that was really interesting that and is. it saved them time, which makes sense because they weren't having to stop and physically change the heads and move yeah. anything on the face. It was a lot faster for them to do the keys. But I yeah. did read too, one of the animators said he would have nightmares about like people sticking things into his head to make his expression change. 
which I'm like, I get that. If you're doing that all day, yeah, I I probably would. Yeah. Yeah. And this was the first stop motion to be shot digitally. Originally, they were Mm. going to do it on film, but they were convinced to do it digitally because they could see what they were doing right away versus film. You have to get the film and go back and watch it later in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. But this one, they could see it right away and say, oh, we can reshoot it. Saves them a lot of time. So it took 55 weeks to shoot this versus Mm. 18 months or the other movies. So already an improvement. Yeah. But yeah, I do think this is cute. I think you should check it out because you don't see anyone die in it. Unlike Frank and Weenie, which we just talked about. There's no no actual deaths. She's already died. But she's she's a cute, cute character. And she just keeps mm-hmm. following Victor around. And he's just like, dude, no way. I cannot be with you. What are you not understanding? And you know just her bringing him around her friends and stuff and everybody's dead and she doesn't understand why he's like weirded out by it so she's a little clueless in that sense but i i do think it's cute i usually watch it on halloween it's not like the nightmare before christmas where i might just pop it on anytime but a halloween i'll throw it on you know nice. check it out. and it's got johnny depp in it so true you do like johnny i depp. do love me some johnny mm-hmm. yeah he's yeah. the main star so true 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 yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. That's fine. Oh my goodness. Wow. That was a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this, the past three weeks of Tim Burton, he just, he has so much. Yes. He really but. does. There's so many other great movies out there to check out too. Like I'll be watching Beetlejuice sometime soon. Cause mm-hmm. that's another classic Tim Burton. Yep. Not children appropriate though. No, <laughs> not family friendly. It's not good. Featured. It's not a Disney movie either, but no. it's, yeah. Do not yeah. let your little children watch that. They will definitely have nightmares from Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for mm-hmm. listening. Next week, we are going to be talking about the remake of Under Wraps. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but. I have not either, but I've I'm been not looking forward to it. Exactly. That's why I have not watched it. And then after we will talk about the disappointing one, we'll talk about the one we love. And that is Muppets, A Haunted Mansion. We both have watched it. We both absolutely adore it. And I can't wait to talk about it. There are so many things I need to just write down mm-hmm. to geek over. Yep. It's going to be like, like 40 minutes of the Muppets are awesome. And then like two minutes of, I didn't like under wraps. <laughs> under wraps. The end. <laughs> Yay! So definitely come back next week to check that out. Definitely follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube so you mm-hmm. can see our smiley faces. Mm-hmm. Sammy, what else can they do with us? So go to limitlessbroadcasting.com and check out our website. You can find our Patreon account on there as well. Any donation is always appreciated, and you can see our smiling faces as well. Uh, if you donate enough that's what i should say if you donate enough then you can actually see us like in person not just on youtube you can actually have a whole conversation with us so this is true definitely would appreciate that when does this one come out this comes out okay so we still have no uh, 20th 20th okay so we still have our kickstarter up for two more days if you want to go check that out go to kickstarter.com slash dupla city d-o-o-p-l-a city that's a new cartoon that we're producing. We have stuff about it on Instagram too, but the Kickstarter is the best place to find out more information. Yep. Yeah. We will see you next week, Pixie Dusters. Yay. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Pixie Dust Twins, Sammy and Ashley. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to the Limitless Podcast Network's own channel, Instagram, and all things social media. And we'll see you all real soon.